Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa and Nancy, and we are back at one of our favorite places in Arizona, Buenos Aires National Wildlife Refuge. It's in, well, just about an hour, hour and a half out of Tucson, depending on what part of the refuge you're going to, because there's a lot of places on the refuge. And one of them is Lake Aguirre. Aguirre. Aguirre Aguirre Lake. It's named named for Pedro Aguirre, who founded the Buenos Aires Ranch. Okay. So, and Buenos Aires Ranch, yeah, it was a ranch. That's what it started out. It was. It started out as a cattle ranch. And everyone, this is Josh Smith. He's a wildlife refuge specialist here. And uh, he took us out driving again today. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. It's always a pleasure. Going out on Pronghorn Drive. Yeah. And really, we got a good um, idea of the whole, like the big picture of what you do in regards to conservation out here. I thought that was really exciting to see. Uh, last time we were out here, you were out looking for, is it the Pima Pineapple Cactus? It is. We were surveying for the Pima Pineapple Cactus before we burned the unit. And so we do prescribe burns to manage invasive grasses. Mm -hmm. And as you saw today, after the burn, it's come back with all these really great forbs and flowers and shrubs. Amazing. And these are all the great things that animals eat. When you see deer and antelope in a field of grass eating, they're not eating the grass. They're eating the little things that come up in between, which are the forbs. They're broad-leafed weeds. And so that field we saw today that was just burned in June was all Forbes. So did you know the monsoons were going to be so lucrative when it comes to helping you in conservation? I don't, I don't <laughs> think it? anybody did. We did not expect, geez, in July it was almost seven and a quarter inches of rain in July alone. Wow, that's it's huge. That's a lot. Uh, this morning, Nancy and I, uh, first thing we did was get out to the lake and, you know, we're into day, taking our one-hour walks. I think ours was a little longer because we took it very slow because there are things hopping and flying around us but the hopping i i thought they were little frogs but they turned out to be toads yes yes uh we with all the water we had we had a really great breeding year for the couches spadefoot toad and they're everywhere everywhere little centimeter long toadlings hopping all over the refuge um they're gonna put on weight quick and bury themselves up and wait for next season. It's amazing that they do that That's and then crazy way to live. Yeah, so when they come <laughs> back out, they're going to be full grown. As far as I know, I believe mm-hmm. they will be. So, wow. do they come out at the same time as the Gila monster? Uh-oh. No. No, they wait for a good rain and I don't I think it's got to be two or three days of rain mm-hmm. to just soften everything up and let them know that there's enough water out there to, to come out. Come out breed, create the next generation, and then go right back. And is, is this a native toad? It is. Oh, good. Oh, so this is a good thing. This is what you it, want here. It is. It is. Because you've also got some Chiricahua? Leopard oh, frogs. Leopard frogs. They're, okay. they're native, but also they're threatened. Okay. And then we, we've also got the Snoring Desert Toad, or as others call them, Colorado River Toad. Mm-hmm. And those are the, the big nasties that everybody's worried about if your dog 
gets a hold of one and he'll it brings on paralysis and potentially death. Oh no, that's horrible. Well, it happens. And uh, we've also got red spotted toads, woodhouse toads. Who else is on? We've got a good variety of toads. You've got a lot of water. That's what's uh, amazing. I mean, to see a lake when, that was dry. This was a dry bed, and on both sides in this walk, you're basically walking on this island, and you've got water on both sides. And uh, it's, it's just, the we saw different birds. Uh, we saw shrike today, and that seems to be a popular bird here. We, we have plenty of shrikes. Um, you mentioned also that you saw some black neck stilts, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to see those in the desert is pretty exceptional, but it's just a testament to how much water we have on the landscape right now. I hope I'm right about that kind of bird. Now well, I'm thinking, was it black neck? I might have the wrong thing now. Well, it's definitely a stilt. I know. This is the thing. Every time we come out to Buenos Aires, and, and again, there's more than one region, and this is uh, close to Sassafee. Am I saying that correctly yes, this time? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm getting one thing right. Um, so it's uh, really if you go from on 86 from Tucson south uh, on to 286 after that, right? And That's right. So you go be here. west on 86 to 286, mm-hmm. about 21 miles west of Tucson, and then hang a left and go 40 more miles. It's awesome, and there's a lot of other areas you can go driving around. But here, what's so special about this part of the refuge is that you have pronghorn, and that's who greeted us this morning. The very first thing, we're like, boom, there's pronghorn. And because the grassland, I mean, it's it's lush. The grasslands, it's so green. We're both in awe. We're like, wow, what happened? But all you see is these horns going through the, the brush, and you could tell that it was a pronghorn because of the way their horns are. It's not like deer. It's different. Sure. The grass the grass is, is tall, and um, it's, it's actually really lucky that you saw the pronghorn today. We haven't seen them in a while. Once the rains came on and the burn areas started to recover and make a lot of really great pronghorn food, they kind of moved into the burn areas, which aren't entirely visible from the road. Mm. Well, we we did get this right at the entrance. Yeah, right at the entrance. And the entrance burned last year, Mm. so that's in the second year post-burn, which is still, if you look, the north side of the entry road looks Mm -hmm. better than the south side of the entry road, because the south side of the entry road is three years post-burn. Okay. And so we we don't burn the same unit repeatedly. There's a three to five year cycle between burning each unit. And so when you burn these units, it's a, a piece of land acreage, and uh, you know these you know the cactus that you are watching and looking for. These are endangered species, yeah. right? And so what happens when you burn? You know because I know already people are going to go. Why are you going to burn the cactus? <laughs> Going out and surveying for them before the burn gives us a chance to protect them, and mm-hmm. our firefighters are amazing. They can be pretty precise in where they burn, mm-hmm. and so they can avoid burning them altogether. And sometimes, uh, last year I believe they burned the unit without protecting them to see how they recover from the burn, mm-hmm. and they can handle a low-intensity burn. Mm-hmm. They cannot handle a high-intensity burn. Which comes from a wildfire. Which comes from a wildfire. Mm-hmm. Or if you let the fuel load get too big. Mm. So are you concerned now with the fuel that you have now from after the monsoon rain? I mean, the grasslands that I'm talking about are really high are what, the pig pigweed is what you're talking about, and Russian thistle, which is what you don't want, but the pigweed is fine. Pig is good. Thistles are not. I wasn't going to say Russian, but, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's easy to be concerned with this fuel load, but another thing to remember is that with these grasses with all this vegetation the grasshoppers are going to be immense this year and they're going to take care of a lot of that 
We'll see. Mm-hmm. There's a positive for grasshoppers. Now, what about all the dragonflies? Are they going to munch on that stuff too? No, no, no. Dragonflies don't don't eat. They're 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 predatory, Mm. and so they may eat baby grasshoppers. Yeah, they're pretty. They're like praying mantis in some of the. Mm. I've seen some videos where they just like eat another one's head off. Kind of deal. (laughs) They're they're weird. I believe that's romantic in their world. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, see, they are like praying mantis. They're like yeah, black widows praying mantis, and then the. Wife kills the husband. Ah, aliens. They're and so, aliens. Uh, get personal, not no, male. Dra- I think dragonflies are a good segue back to Geary Lake. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you mm-hmm. saw a quite Tons. large variety, and um, you know that walk is, is fantastic for that. Um, and we we got into the the semantics of it earlier. I think is uh, what what is actually Geary Lake and what's Greed Pond and the different classifications on it. I believe the whole thing mm. is a Geary Lake as a whole, but they've diked off a smaller section, so it'll hold water longer, and that's what we call Green Pond. Mm. And that's where our photo blind is. Mm. And that's everyone for, especially for birders. So do you see this, you know, throughout the fall season till about November, the water still being here, so you still get the water birds and the shorebirds coming here? I hope so. I say I hope so because I've been here just a year, mm. and it's been about four years since that pond's held water. Mm. And so, so we anticipate the water will be there November, December, maybe even into January, and hopefully we get some winter storms. We hope maybe yeah. a tropical system will come up from the uh, Gulf of California. Yeah. What but uh, it's, it's, it's there now, and it's pretty full. I hope we get some more monsoons. I mean, we're in the middle of August right now. But uh, what is it like to watch the monsoons here? Because you've got this big open country, and then you've got that beautiful mountain that you get to say the name of. Babo Kivari. <laughs> and so it's pretty fantastic because we're such a wide open place. You can see the isolated nature of monsoon storms. You'll mm-hmm. be able to see patches of clear and very intense storms. One day I was driving home from work, and I looked out, and I thought I saw a tornado because it was this this beam of water that was wow. so dense and narrow, which just dropping down. It just contrasted everything else that I could see. Wow. But it was just this intense microburst wow. beam of water. Mm. And everyone, you've got to come see what it's done to this area. I mean, it is so it, green. It doesn't look like a desert. No. Mm-mm. At all. It doesn't. And technically, we're a semi-desert mm-hmm. grassland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which really means we get about four inches of rain more mm. than the desert classification. Mm. But it's it's pretty fantastic to watch down here. And at nighttime with the lightning storms and the big valley, you can just see lightning in every direction. Oh, not bad. Wow. And the sunrises. Because we're always here at the sunrise and it's like... It's, this morning I was photographing it and I blinded myself for a while. <laughs> I was like, the sunrises are pretty incredible. Um, we get to watch the sun come mm-hmm. over the Cerro Colorados every morning. And the side of the Cerro Colorados we look at is really rugged and jagged. It's just mm. dramatic in, 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 in its shape. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Everyone's got to come out here, experience sunrise, sunset. There is camping. There's primitive camping campsites. So people can do that. And um, just... Uh, Aguirre Lake. Aguirre. Aguirre. I'm going to get there. I'm getting closer. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I've got Sassabee right now. Um, we saw so many different birds, and um, you know, we were talking about the shrikes and everything, vermilion flycatchers, egrets. We saw some ducks. I, the kites. I mean, and not kites, um, a hawk. And 
we got to and butterflies are everywhere and caterpillars everyone you just got to come out here um we got towards the end of it because you're really walking around that whole waterway and it's 0.8 miles so it's not long so if you do just the Grebe Pond portion, it's point mm-hmm. eight, and if you do the entirety of it, it's it's three miles. Did we do three miles this morning? Did you go around the big dry lake? We went. No, no. We turned uh, at the place. Where the Ramada. Okay. Yeah, that Ramada. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll throw a plug for that. We, that was an Eagle Scout project, and, oh, and I actually oh, nice. just met up with that young man yesterday to sign his paperwork that he's submitting for his for his Eagle Scout. Oh, cool! That's where we saw the bobcat. Really, right yeah, by the Ramada, right splendid. Yeah, awesome. all these birds took off. I'm looking at the birds. I saw something move, and I thought Nancy's, I don't know, was doing a dance or something. I don't know. And it was a bobcat that went through, and, and all these birds, and even a hawk went flying. I mean, it was just, it was crazy this morning. Yeah. yeah. It was really, that was a good-sized bobcat, too. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, come on, we want to see, I want to photograph you. I want to there's, see there's a nice large male bobcat that hangs out in this area, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's a big one. You've got him on your trail cam. Oh, yeah. we got a shout out for the trail cam because that is something the friends of uh, Buenos Aires National Wildlife Refuge uh, purchased for you, right? They did. Friends. They, it's awesome. They purchased it for us. We do a trail cam Tuesday every week on our uh, Facebook page. Just search, it's awesome. Search Facebook, That's Buenos cool. Aires NWR. And every Tuesday, I put up the pictures for the critters that come along. This week, we had coyote, bobcat, um, nice. sonoran desert toad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you coyotes, javelinas. Javelinas, deer, mountain lions. Everybody yeah. comes for a drink. I had a raccoon a week and a half ago. Do you have to just do Tuesdays? Like, every, I wait for them. I'm like, come on, Josh. <laughs> you know, right now... This week I only got about 150 pictures, and it takes three pictures every time it's tripped. Oh, okay. And so that means only 50 events over the mm. course of a week. Mm. When it's dry, I get 3,000 pictures. It's mm. mm. amazing. That's and amazing. so right now I couldn't possibly do more than once a week because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have yeah. enough to put out. But I want to touch on also everyone, uh, not only... Um, is it this area with the pronghorns that you can go and see and drive around and, and do a game drive? It feels like we're in Africa again here, but there's also an Arabaca just down the road from here. You've got the uh, Cienega. I think it's a very popular trail for people to do, very easy, especially for birders. It is. It's wonderful because it's got the boardwalk, it's got a nice trail, it's maintained. And then right now, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of water in there. The sunflowers are going off, we the birds the are starting to show up. And so it's going to be, fingers crossed, it's going to be a really great year for birds at the Cienega this year. So fall, I know, when do you, the Tucson uh, Audubon Society leads? November. That starts in November. They start them in November, the same time as we start our Brown Canyon hikes. Okay, that's uh, They do it every Saturday at the Cienega at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. and our Brown Canyon hikes are every second and fourth Saturday at okay. 9 a.m. And that takes you into the mountains. That's, an, that that's does. incredible. Um, the the Tucson Audubon Hikes are free. Ours are five dollars a person. That's nothing. Um, we're I've got some really enthusiastic volunteers signed up this year, so hopefully we can expand those beyond just those two Saturdays mm. each month. But we'll see how it goes when they get here. Now the birding is a big, big deal here, um, and going back on the conservation role of what the refuge does. Not only do we get to come out here and, and observe as you know visitors. Um, and, and really experience biodiversity, and it shows the web of life, you know, all these projects you're doing. But you've got some quail hanging out back here, and this is really yeah. what started the whole conservation project for the 
the refuge, right? That's right. The refuge was founded for the reintroduction and recovery of mass bobwhite quail. And unfortunately, you know, our efforts had kind of stalled out for a little while, and they just haven't been available for people to see, and we haven't had the opportunity to put them on the landscape. Mm -hmm. This year, we're going back to having releases, we're mm -hmm. producing quail, and we just renovated our viewing pen, so we have quail on display people mm -hmm. can come see them now mm -hmm. and understand a little bit better they because mm. I think that's the hard thing is people don't understand sometimes until you get out and look at all the little things I know we talk about that a lot with you is like looking at the dragonflies no this is this kind of frog no this is that and then you start to realize how everything is connected and to have all the ecosystems in place it's how important it is it, it is a lot easier to care when you know about things and when you experience them firsthand mm. Um, yeah. You can look at everything and anything up on the internet, but it doesn't yeah. give you that first-hand experience. Exactly, exactly. Everybody, again, uh, you've got to come out to Buenos Aires National Wildlife Refuge south of Tucson, Arizona. It's a big experience, and you're gonna once you come out here, you're gonna do it more than once, like us. Because every time we come here, we see something, we see something totally new, different. and now we have to like you know research and call you and go what was that especially the flowers the plants are insane it's, it's it's pretty incredible post monsoon the flowers are just it's not a super bloom you're not mm -hmm. going to see whole hillsides covered in poppies but oh, yeah, we've got this tremendous diversity out there and everything's either orange white red or pink i know or purple. In purple you got all the morning glories and i've got a bunch of plants i have to look up now there's no colors that mm -hmm. are missing Mm -mm. And you got wildlife. Last thing, real quick. Last time we came down here, we had one of those moments like, "We've got a day. Let's go. Let's go." You know. And then we get giddy and can't sleep before you get here. Like as soon as last night, we knew. I was like, "I'm not going to go to sleep again." Uh oh, because I get excited. We think we saw a golden eagle. That's likely between when you're on the road from here, this area of the refuge to Sienega and into the creek, and there's another area where people can go hike is along the creek and maybe see coatis. Um, but uh, this golden eagle was there. We went to the, we went to both places because we we have to, and then we're going to do that now. And then we saw him right on the on your side of the road. Let's put it that way. Um, land, try, go after something, and he had like the big furry. Feathers. Feathers on his ankles? Legs. What it, legs. He was big. I mean, this is like a monster raptor bird. And then we saw him on the way back, too, so I didn't know if you see him or her. It's it's not unlikely there's a pair that nest in Brown Canyon. Oh. And most of the times I go up there, I, I see the eagles. Oh. So, um, it... You never know. I've never seen them down off of Aravaca Road, but... It's like right when you turn right. They're... They're big and they're capable of going wherever the heck they want. Yeah. I'm gonna drive real slow today because if if he's out there or she's out there, like I'm, I've got a, I need evidence. <laughs> so I'll send it to you. Well, thank you so much for taking us around. You're very welcome. I'm glad you were able to make it back out, and it's always a pleasure. We'll thank see you, you again soon. I hope so. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials.